0: Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. So glad you could attend. Come inside. Come inside. Episode 17 of Triples Alley Report. Grant Brisby of SB Nation and the Giants-Outsiders postgame show on NBC Sports Bay Area will be joining us in a moment. Uh, He was at the winter meetings. He's got tales to tell that will not stay in Vegas. And I've always enjoyed Grant's writing style. A lot of humor, a lot of knowledge, and doesn't take himself too seriously. So we'll talk to him in just a moment. The winter meetings are over, and the Giants filled a couple of spots on their 40-man roster with Rule 5 draft picks. You're already falling asleep, aren't you? Don't! Rule 5 is sexy now. Well, at least mildly interesting. Giants actually got a couple of interesting players and goodness knows they need organizational depth. Lefty reliever Travis Bergen at his 12.9 strikeouts per nine innings in A ball and Double-A, comes from the Blue Jays. If he pans out, he could fill a gap in the bullpen should Will Smith be traded. And Drew Ferguson who can play all three outfield positions and he comes from the Astros, a guy whose minor league career on base percentage in four years near 400, a little long in the tooth at 26, but. Has a chance to be a right handed platoon with Steven Duggar in center field. And really, two things you want out of Rule 5 guys. Yeah, You want that organizational depth and at least a shot to make the big league roster, so you want to keep them around. Uh, Ferguson batted 305 with a 436 on base percentage at Fresno, so he's at least knocking on the door. And that's the deal with the Giants. Again, it, they didn't hit a lot of home runs. So, did they do anything else well? Well, not really, they didn't get on base, they didn't have much speed, and they didn't hit for a high average. So, pretty much three strikes against them, and they struck out quite a bit as well. But these moves, at least get them in the right direction. Not the kind of moves that'll launch a thousand rafts into McCovey Cove, but it fits with Farhan Zaidi's modus operandi. Make the roster better, one player at a time, get those cheap under the radar players that could help a la Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, which he did in Los Angeles, it's something we did discuss with Zaidi on his first day in San Francisco. The bigger moves are coming, but right now it's about finding incremental edges, and with this squad, there are a lot of places where you can find incremental upgrades. doesn't make them a playoff team, but at least a bit more competitive. 2019 is going to be a hard nut to crack, but Zaidi's going to be around for a while. He's not going to be in a panic or a hurry about this. He'll do what he can to make the team competitive in 2019, but certainly no guarantees. There's so much work yet to be done. Zaidi also brought up the possibility, speaking of looking for an edge, of using openers, which the Tampa Bay Rays made all the rage last year. And the A's had to do it as well because their starting pitching was so decimated. Relief pitchers to start games to gain a slight early matchup advantage. Manager Bruce Bochy sounds open to it, and at this point, I doubt he'd push back too much anyway. But you need versatile relievers and at least a couple of starters who can be counted on to go fairly deep in games. So we'll get into all of that and oh so much more as you're about to find out with Grant Brisby. So I've I've rescued Grant Brisby at least temporarily from his puppy. And uh, he's, he's found a safe, quiet spot. I, I know what that's like, and you're just finding out. Basically, puppies are the kraken, Graham.
1: They are uh, horrible, horrible creatures. Beautiful, I love them, but my goodness, do they have sharp little dagger teeth.
0: Well, the good news is there's only uh, about another year of that, so you got that going for you.
1: That's, that's what they tell me. And, and I ran into someone who's like, Yeah, I have this dog is uh, two and this dog is one. And he's looked at him like, you, you finished and then you got another one? <laughs> yes, yes. Man, those people are weird.
0: There, there must be a payoff there. There must be a payoff. What kind of dog is it?
1: It's a Labradoodle. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're lazy, we don't sweep, kids have allergies, so we did the designer thing.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, my kids had a, a Labrador a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. super, super, super cute. But yeah, we're uh, we're trendies, we're not trendsetters, we're trendies.
0: <laughs> okay, that's all right. So, you know, be who you are. You know, I, I did a, this reminds me, I did a, a hot stove show with Andrew Susack once, and we spent half the time talking about his dog. And at some point I said, you know, we probably should be talking baseball here since the hot stove. But, you know, I found the sweet spot. He loved talking about animals, so. That, you know, that's, if I get off on animals or vintage cars, you know, just slap me in the face and we'll get back to baseball, okay?
1: Yeah, there's there's no worry about me going off on vintage cars. That is, uh, my dad and my brother would be very much into that. Okay. Uh, I am the black sheep of the family. I don't know.
0: That means you're normal.
1: Yeah, well, I, You know, Toyota Corolla uh, seems pretty exotic
0: to me. Mm, mm, foreign car, an aristocrat. <laughs> All right, Grant Brisby from SB Nation joining us. And of course, uh, the Giants Outsider Show uh, post game on uh, NBC Sports Bay Area. You were at the Winter Meetings. And uh, so what, was that your first time or have you been before? What was that like?
1: No, it's, uh, it was my second time. I'd been to the one in San Diego about three or four years ago. Uh, I was supposed to go to Orlando, uh, but then some, some person. Stuff came up where I had to cancel that trip. Last year, I flat out said no, I don't want to go because I was just exhausted after going from L.A. to Houston, back to L.A. Or is that it? Vice, no. L.A. to Houston, back to L.A. And I was just done traveling. I didn't yeah. want to do it right away. I'm a weenie when it comes to travel.
0: Hey, I just got back from Phoenix and I'm done. Yes. So you know, <laughs> you, you don't build up a resistance to it. That's the that's the sad part. But uh, one of the stories I saw, you wrote, you got caught between Pete Rose and Carrot Top, which I guess can only happen in Vegas, right?
1: That's an extremely Vegas anecdote so it's, and it starts even a little bit more Vegasy, where I decided to leave the winter meetings workroom and go into the sports book and I put $20 on Manchester United to draw and I don't know soccer I don't know I can't name a single player on Man U but I just liked the idea of gambling on a draw so that I could yell at the screen, like, you idiots, get it towards the middle of the field. <laughs> like, how dare you execute your Play tasks? It safe, damn it. Yeah, uh, so I was really into that. And so I was, I was having a good time. I was with uh, Craig Edwards from Fangrafts, and we were just, you know, enjoying our, our, our little bets. Uh, then my wife texted me, and the text read, call me immediately. Oh boy. And she is not prone to hyperbole. This is not a text I've ever received before. So my heart jumps out of my stomach. I race out of the sports book. I call and she says, my puppy is shaking. Well, our puppy is shaking. It's it's got tremors. It can't walk. It's flopping all over the, the, the floor. She's asking, well, you know, do, do I take it to this vet, this, you know, so I'm, I'm panicked just like she is and, and we're trying to figure this out and I tell her to go to this vet, should we hang up, I'm texting and I'm texting for updates and I'm walking and I'm texting for updates and then Carrot Top walks by me. <laughs> and so it's like, what do you do in that moment? It's You're in one of the more serious moments of your life. The puppy's fine, by the way, that's Good. the end result. Of the, I should get Good. that out of the way yeah. uh, so you can enjoy just the absurdity. The puppy's fine, but in that moment I'm thinking my life is upside down. You know, yeah. I've developed a strong attachment to this puppy, part of the family already, it happened yeah. so quickly, it but Keratop is walking the other way. Yeah. And, and I'm not good with celebrities. I, I saw Yao Ming once in the D.C. airport, and I didn't have the courage to go up and say, hey, can I take a selfie of, like, your mm-hmm. waist or something? Mm-hmm. But so I didn't know what to do. I just sort of paused, and, it, and then I turn around, and there's Pete Rose on the other side. So I'm caught between Carrot Top and Pete Rose and texting my wife about a life-altering thing. Um, it was, I don't know, <laughs> it's just one of those moments where the universe aligns.
0: Yeah, or, or misaligns. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure which. I uh, said, so my dog's dying, but hey, Carrot Top. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs>
1: Mr. Top, do I call you
0: Mr. Top? Yes. Yeah. that's that's one I've never understood. I never found him funny at all, but he's made himself a great career in Vegas. Good for him. Yeah, and he kind of leans into it. I mean, I, in the beginning, he was a prop
1: comic, and the, the joke was, like, popular on college campuses and, right, and whatnot, right. but now that he's became a little bit of a punchline, he did what all of us would do, which is get incredibly jacked <laughs> with huge muscles yeah. and then just sort yeah. of, like, lean into the, the jokishness. Yeah,
0: good, good, you know, he, he owns it. He bought into it. <laughs> But that could work in Vegas, that could work in show business, that could work in comedy and nowhere else except for, <laughs> except for maybe 1990s baseball. Right, maybe Branson, Missouri. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> Actually, uh, my mom was working with Earl Hamner, who uh, created the Waltons, on a Waltons musical in Branson uh, <laughs> around 2000. Somehow never panned out. That seemed like it would have been perfect for Branson. But anyway, you <laughs> see, you mentioned that, and I go right off on a tangent. tangent it's I love it. it's, it's I love it. terrible. Not much else happened at the winter meetings, except for, I guess, one trade of note, and the Mariners got into it as they often do, but that was it, huh?
1: Yeah, it was quiet, and I think that's how it's going to be from now on. I really think that the winter meetings, as this sort of catch all of we're going to meet in person, and that's going to change everything? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I mean, you're FaceTiming, you're Skyping, you're texting 24-7. The, the urgency to get it done at the winter meetings, I don't think is there, as it might have been in the past. Andrew Baggerly just had a, a great piece about when Brian Sabian traded Jeff Kent, or right. Matt Williams for Jeff Kent. He said that that deal was consummated in the lobby, and uh, the executives for the Indians were in bathrobes. <laughs> I mean, just sort of like, that's, that's how you did it. Like, we got yeah. we, we to get down and, and get the deals done.
0: Now it's just deals percolate, and I imagine that's what's going to happen with Farhan Zaidi and the Giants. They get, get the ball rolling, and eventually it pays off, but he's still forming his front office. All right? you know He's not going to have a general manager, apparently, next year, although J.P. Ricciardi has done that job. So I think they're good to go to make a deal now, but he just got him to the winter meetings. He just hired him.
1: Absolutely, and you think about it like new GM comes in, you hand him the USB stick, he plugs it into his, his brain, all the information downloads, but you know, he's still not entirely sure what Chris Shaw is like. He's mm-hmm. not. He's got 300 players to figure out. He's got 25 players on the, the active roster, 40 on the 40-man the roster. He's not going to know the ins and outs. He, he might have an opinion about Joe Panic. He might not have a calcified, yeah. here's what we're going to do with Joe Panic. Mm-hmm. So that's going to take some time and uh, I I can appreciate that.
0: Two Rule 5 picks uh, for the Giants. That's not often they do that, so let's break down the Rule 5 picks. That'll be (laughs) an exciting podcast here. But these guys might actually have a chance to contribute. They do, and...
1: (sighs) Please don't ask me their names. I have forgotten them after the tweet. Oh, do you have them?
0: Travis Bergen and Drew Ferguson. Oh, yeah. Not to be confused with the Drew Ferguson who's a congressman from Georgia.
1: I mean, I didn't want you to ask me the names because I didn't <laughs> want to embarrass you. But you came prepared. <laughs> they both seem like, uh, in the past, Rule 5 picks tend to be, you look at the numbers and it's like, well, he struck out 100 times to 10 walks, but boy, is he fast. Yeah. Or uh, he, he hit 20 home runs in... A ball which is it looks great he's got like a 400 on base percentage in A ball but Boy, that's a lot of levels to leap over. Uh, With what the Giants did, uh, Bergen is sort of injury has been his bugaboo. He just hasn't been healthy. When he's been healthy, he's looked like a a real high strikeout lefty, not just against lefties, but lefties and righties. Mm -hmm. And Ferguson seems like he has athleticism, athleticism to play all three outfield positions. He keeps the walks with the strikeouts, which means he can handle the strike zone a little bit. This is all based on stats. This is all based on just what I'm looking on baseball reference. But I could see these guys fitting on a 25-man roster next year.
0: Well, I think they kind of fit with what Zayedi's trying to do right now. And and just based on what I've heard him saying and and in talking to him, uh, you look at this roster and it's not going to be a silver bullet where you get that massive slugger at a corner outfield position and they're just going to change the lineup. But this team hit 130-something home runs last year and did nothing else well. So if you're not gonna hit a bunch of home runs, at least do one thing well, right? And Ferguson does that.
1: Right, gets on base, has a little speed, has some athleticism. You know, I can only imagine what ID when he looked at the Giants roster last year, what he thought when he would see like Kelby Tomlinson. Bless Specs, bless Kelby. I enjoy his time with the Giants in some respects, but I don't know how many tools he had. You know, it might be one tool. Speed. You know, yeah, and even that was a little bit overhyped because the Giants are so slow. Right. He's just like an above-average runner, not having players like Kelby on the roster, or Gorkys, who, uh, for all his hot start, you know, he really sort of regressed to the mean, and I think you can do better with the fifth outfielder yes. than Gorkys. And so that's what Zaidi's really looking at. He's like, how can I incrementally make the rosters? I'm not going to, you know, rebuild Rome in a day. But the first thing that... Eric Steven, the managing editor of uh, True Blue LA, told me was that Zaidi really likes to tinker, and that he loves his raffle tickets. He loves filling out that forty-man roster, scaling it back, filling it out, mm-hmm. DFA this guy, waiver claim here, mm-hmm. and that's just what you're going to see. That's the way he does.
0: Well, yeah, I think he's he's even said it. I mean, one position at a time. I want to improve a roster, and so, well, he had empty spots, so I guess he's improved them. It's certainly better to my mind, than what they had before. Who knows if they're going to pan out or not. The percentages of Rule 5 picks are not great, but it seems like these have a reasonable shot anyway. What do you think about it when he talked about openers, to changing the, the pitching staff a little bit? There's a lot that has to go into that, obviously. Not every team can do it. But does it surprise you at all that a guy like Zaidi would go in that direction?
1: It doesn't surprise me because uh, if you think about two teams that really experimented with the openers last year, the Rays and the A's, uh, both... Really succeeded last year above expectations. They have low-cost rosters. They were able to make it work. Uh, I, I do dislike the opener aesthetically. I, I like the mythology of the starting pitcher taking the mound, and you've got Jack Morris and and John Smoltz. You know you can do that sort of in depth. You could a, attach personalities to these guys and and have it be part of the narrative. At the same time, if you're doing it one out of every five times, that Fifth time is probably going to be someone. Yep. I mean, it's going to be your Jamie Brewington. That's going to be your Joe Roa. That's going to be. Mm. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm really digging deep. That's I'm, rough. I'm, I'm trying to think. Of, um, Todd Wellemeyer, You know oh, what I mean? It's, yeah. It's not like I'm going to to have this narrative built around Todd Wellameyer yeah. every fifth day. This guy comes up to pitch. It's like, ah, oh, right. We yeah. could probably do better. Yeah, probably and, could. And so with an opener, I think a lot of is made out of it because it's so different. But if you're really limiting it to one spot in the rotation. I don't know, good work.
0: I think two things about it. First of all, you have to have a, a versatile pitching staff in order to make that happen. Guys who can go a couple of innings or more, and that, that's, this is how I think he's gonna try to build this staff. And you have to have at least a couple of starters that you can rely on to go reasonably deep in games. Otherwise, you're calling AAA towing by June for your entire pitching staff, right? Right. So it makes me think, okay, if Bumgarner's healthy, he's one of those guys, and then we'll go from there and he might pick up another one.
1: And when you put it like that, you can look at the Giants active roster right now that the 25 man they finished the the season with and you can point to some guys right away you can point to Ty Block you can point to Andrew Suarez you can point to Chris Stratton guys who might not be your first choice going a third time through the rotation guys you might not peg for stardom or for a future all-star berth but guys who can give you two three quality innings uh, effectively match up against other teams in their platoon problems or what have you so those guys are already in place and this is a good offseason to be looking for pitching so
0: yeah yeah and from what i hear he's zayde likes to collect arms you know and that's what he did in la and you could have nine or ten guys who could be a starting pitcher or it could be a long reliever or you could make him a setup guy and that's what i'm talking about the versatility so if they're able to put together a staff like that i could see them do it for one or two turns in the rotation and I think it. you look at the extreme example of the Brewers and Craig Council, but that was a short playoff series. Right. I want to see how it pans out over a long season. Worked out okay for the Rays.
1: Right. Worked out okay for for the Rays. I do think that uh, the Brewers' reliance on that bullpen sort of caught up by the end. It would have been just that much more of an edge if they had one more starter they could rely on for six innings. I mean, it seems weird to talk about, but that's baseball in 2018. Yeah.
0: Well, the A's did it out of necessity because they were just thrashed by, by the end of the year. And, you know, really remarkable that they were able to win 97 games. But, you know, that offense and defensively they're still pretty good. You look at this roster now with the Giants, Grant, and like we said, theres I don't see a silver bullet. I don't see a quick fix here. It's the incremental things that maybe make them a little more competitive, and then there's Buster Posey. And to me, that's going to be the acquisition. If he's healthy and he's able to hit 15 to 20 home runs, not a bunch, right? But. Right. 15 to 20 home runs. And Nick Ahmed is sitting there in Arizona with a similar surgery, and he had a power surge last year, and he says that's what's going to happen. You're going to get back some of your strength with the bat. And, you know, maybe that's one of the upgrades they get.
1: It could be. I, I am going to be cynical by nature whenever a catcher has major surgery. Oh, yeah. Just because, you know, they, they do age like a uh, uh, cut-open avocado. I mean, you know, that's just how catchers are.
0: One day. <laughs> that's about all you get, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, just on, on the grand scheme of things, it's, you can't expect your catcher to be Carlton Fisk. That's why there's only so many Carlton Fisks. And now that we're, uh, you know, we're not e- expecting Buster Posey to go on the Benito Santiago workout regimen uh, towards uh, the end of, you know, his yeah, uh-huh. 30s. Uh, I I think uh, his upside is going to be that 15-20 home runs. Mm -hmm. You have to prepare yourself to be pleased with high on base percentage and no power. And it's going to be the job of the GM to build a lineup where that is still a net positive. Because if you're talking a catcher who can play defense, who can throw, and have a high on base percentage... That's a net positive. Yeah. If you don't have the lineup that supports that, that's your problem. If you're featuring him as a cleanup hitter, that's your that's problem. problem. That's, that's not problem. Posey's problem.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying that's one of the things that would have to happen for this oh, team. absolutely. But you know, the guy had a 2.5 war last year with a down year. Still great. Yeah, yeah. he's still still very much an asset behind the plate. Is there a guy you'd like to see the Giants get within reason that you think is actually within the realm of possibility, leaving out Bryce Harper or leaving out Manny Machado? <sighs>
1: I, you know, I want to see them upgrade the rotation in a way that is lasting, but also not in a long-term way. I, I really like the idea of, say, like a J-Hap. Um, yes. I'm trying to think of, of who else is on the market. It is for like a one- or two-year deal that's short of short-term, maybe an older guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think someone not quite the flyer that Derek Holland was last year, but maybe like the Derek Holland of this year, a guy who is coming off a fairly strong season uh, and could really see a bigger payday working at AT&T Park and bouncing out into the market in a year or two.
0: Well, those are the kind of guys I have no doubt the Giants can attract. I mean, that's that's a primary benefit for any pitcher is looking at that ballpark, and they can look at Derek Holland, for crying out loud. Yeah. Maybe they bring him back too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, absolutely I think he would, they would be an attractive fit for the Yankees for Sonny Gray, although it seems like they're asking a lot for him. Maybe if Dallas Keuchel doesn't like the offers on the table he would love that one year pillow contract bounce back on the market next year and AT&T Park would be a great place to do it
0: no and and that uh, always possibility you can re-sign these guys too we're talking to Grant Brisby SB Nation and Giants Outsiders We've had him on our show a bunch of times. First time we've talked in person uh, after all those years. I don't know whether he, he was trying to avoid me or not, but uh, he, <laughs> no, we got this nice little spot here in Castro Valley. To, to This is what I like about these podcasts. I'm going all around the Bay Area and talking to people one-on-one. And, uh, you know, people that I've talked to on the phone or haven't seen much. Like, you know, I see John Miller at the ballpark all the time. I don't get right. to sit down with him for a half an hour to an hour. Right. So that's what's cool about it. I hope people are enjoying it. You know, I, I look at the Giants, and one of the things you talk about is improving the starting pitching, and it was pretty good from June first to the end of the season last year. So, and they were 500 going into September. It was not great, but it was a hell of a lot better than than the year before. Then Buster shut down, Belt shut down, and so forth. Would it just be even one bat that could kind of change the gravity in the order?
1: I was optimistic about the lineup going into uh, last season. Because if you look and you start doing a roll call of the names, it's not like you have to have divine intervention to see these guys having a good year. Uh, you brought up Buster Posey, but, you know, Brandon Belt, I will still defend Brandon Belt. Uh, Joe Panic, maybe you're, you're starting to question that, but he was an all-star at some point. Mm-hmm. Brandon Crawford's a top-five shortstop in the NL still, even after the year he had last year. Slowing down a bit. Slowing down a bit, but still, you know, in the top top tier of NL shortstops. Uh, Evan Longoria, you know, now he's going to be 33, so you're not entirely sure what you're going to get. But you can construct a team that, with depth, to to sort of give these veterans time off and and accounting for injuries, the lineup you can see, you can squint and see league average. Um, And it's the outfield, and that's a great thing to have if you're looking for corner outfielders. That should be where you can find guys. That should be where a GM could, like, you know, close his eyes and throw a dart and say, here's my power yeah. hitting corner guy. The Giants just haven't been able to do it.
0: I know, and there's there's a lot of names have been thrown around uh, in that regard. And then there's uh, a guy like, uh, I don't know, Marwin Gonzalez, you know, somebody who can play different positions maybe, somebody like that. And I think that's also what is looking for is what he had with a Chris Taylor and so forth in, in L.A. is this okay. positional <laughs> flexibility. If, if that's a phrase.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was doing the thing with Austin Barnes, where he it's, He's a catcher. He's a second baseman. He's a floor wax. He's a dessert topping. I mean, like he's. <laughs> he had the. He had that sort of thing going with with Taylor, and uh, yeah, all of a sudden Chris Taylor's like, you know, by the way, I'm a center fielder now like in the middle of a post you know pennant run it's and a good one yeah yeah Yeah. it's like oh okay okay. this guy's a freak like how did the mariners let him go but uh yeah so guys like that i mean any team's gonna want to have those
0: what do you know about kieran lovegrove because what i know about this guy so far i i love him and you know that's just off of twitter and whatever but looks like a prospect
1: Right, uh, South African-born prospect. Uh, I don't know much about him other than the the, the guys at Cespedes Family Barbecue uh, have sort of uh, their their Twitter presence has has encouraged his Twitter presence and they played off each other. Okay. Um, but an interesting guy. Uh, uh, is he is he a submariner? Am I just picking that up based on his low strikeout I he, rate? I
0: think I think he can drop down.
1: Ah, oh, beautiful. So yeah. like he's got the low walk rate and that yeah. sinker ballers gro- uh, strikeout rate, which is fine if you're getting the sinker balls. So. Yeah, I'm curious.
0: And he was uh, shown, I think it was on Instagram, taking a selfie, and he wore a t-shirt with a drawing of a cat and flowers and it said, I will end you, so (laughs) So there's
1: something going on there. He's got that Chase Arnold-like sense of humor and and sense of self-reflection, so I I love it, I love it.
0: How do you think Bruce Bochy is going to adjust? Because here's Zaidi coming in with a reputation of being the top-down type management. And Bochi is certainly not about that life. He's said nice things so far. They seem to be getting along. Then the talk about the openers, and I, th- I guess if you're in Bochi's position, what are you going to say at this point, right?
1: Right. I, I, you know, I've said this before. So if you've if you've heard me say this, just plug your ears because I'm going to repeat myself. But Bruce Bochi grew up just your your general baseball lifer, and he's playing baseball. He's a backup catcher. Now he's a coach. He's he's managing. And he's believing in the sacrifice bunt this whole time. The Mm -hmm. whole time he's been told, you bunt when you get a runner on first, you want to score that run, get the runner in. At some point, someone sat him down with the numbers, a spreadsheet, a graph, what have you, and said, that doesn't work. What that's going to do is it's going to make sure that you score one run and only one run more often than not. If you want to score the maximum amount of runs, forget the sacrifice bunt except in specific cases. And he looked at that said, okay, this makes sense to me. Completely adjusted his, his, his managerial style to the point where he, the Giants just don't bunt. And last year they couldn't bunt, but that yeah. was more of a failure of, yeah. of the roster. But uh,
0: yeah, At least to have the pitchers bunt, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's if it's a tie game and you're at home in the 10th inning, yeah, of course, Bochy yeah. will bunt. Anyone will bunt. Sure. Um, but he, he looked at the evidence and said, yeah, I'm going to adjust based on this evidence. That's what makes me think, okay... Maybe in here there's a, an old dog that can learn new tricks. Uh, it's not guaranteed because I remember when he was with the Padres and he kept playing Vinny Castilla and management was like, stop playing manage- <laughs> stop playing Vinny Castilla. He says, well, if you don't want him on the roster, get him off the roster. They yeah. got him off the roster and mm-hmm. he never played again because he was awful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is some stubbornness in there, but I do think he can adapt.
0: Yeah, and, I, and he's looking at likely his last year, so maybe a little more adaptable and see how it works out. If you had to guess, does Bumgarner get traded by the trade deadline or does he get traded at all? I would say
1: at the trade deadline. I would I would say that is the likeliest uh, scenario because what you what do you have trade now I think that ship is maybe not sailed but mm-hmm. I, you know it is you're seeing a lot of articles in uh, Athletic fan graphs where they're saying here are the red flags for Bumgarner here's what the Giants could get and it's really not exciting prospects you're not getting Ronald Acuna back you know you're not even getting Yon Makata back you're just you're not getting a top yeah. fifty prospect
0: back it's not not worth it and you know and, and this was brought up. At I think in Henry Shulman's article, Baumgartner looked great in the spring. Great. <laughs> and then this freakish injury happened and it just sets you off the rails and he's gotta start spring training all over again. and. You know, maybe with this offseason, he can build up some of that velocity again.
1: Absolutely. And it, I think one thing that people forget about is that Justin Verlander, not that long ago, was done as far as velocity went. You know, when he was with the Tigers, he was throwing 92, 93, right. uh, as opposed to his normal 95, 96. And everyone's like, well, this is just the the start of a slow, long decline. And I'm not saying Baumgartner is going to tick back up just because Verlander did, but you have, like, a proof of concept that, that someone who was able to do it regain his
0: past form. Yeah, he's still 20 Twenty-nine years old too, so there, exactly. there, there's a chance of that. I mean, my attitude is, yeah, if you got to knock your socks off, deal, you have to consider it for someone like Bumgarner at this point. There's a little bit of a risk right. going into next year because he may regress some more, and then what do you have at the trade deadline in terms of value? You won't get even what you get now, right? right? But on the flip side, you benefit from having this guy if he's healthy, back to being pretty close to an ace. Right?
1: Absolutely, and and what you'll have is you'll have the uh, the, the scarcity. You know, you will have the one Bumgarner. Right now, you've got teams that are looking all over. It's like, oh, I could get Keiko, I could get Gray. All mm-hmm. I need is money or this prospect. I don't, need to, I don't need to get too clever here. When you were talking uh, July 31st, it's like, yeah. my team needs this. We're going to the postseason. But if we had X, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's some, some goofball who's like, well, I'm not even going to use Bumgarner as a, as a starter in the postseason. Mm-hmm. He's just going to be the guy that comes out. He's my Andrew Miller now.
0: Yeah. Who knows? Well, yeah, that's what he was. Yeah. Game 7 in 2014. You may have heard the news about uh, Penny Marshall passing away uh, at the age of 75, and, uh, man, what a career. I mean, you take Laverne and Shirley and her career as a director, and, of course, she directed A League of Their Own, Mm -hmm. which I have always considered a top-10 baseball movie. movie. Uh, Where do you put it? It's.
1: I'm going to say top three. Wow. I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go Major League is number one. Mm -hmm. Bull Durham, number two you know maybe League of Their Own sneaks in there maybe Sugar sneaks in there
0: very good because uh, I was thinking about that this morning you know
1: yeah. I, I, Sugar made me mad when I saw it because yeah. I always had dreams about being the guy who wrote like this great baseball movie and that was sort of like one of my one of my paths to writing it was a story you know I, it was all half form like any great uh, ambitious screenwriter working influenced. on it yeah <laughs> um, so at first I was like dang it like that was but it, it was a really well executed movie um, you know, I feel the dreams. I don't hate it as much as, like, Craig Calcaterra does uh, from NBC Sports and Hardball Talk. But it's... The more I, I live with it, the less it's... it's, it's there's a... Eh.
0: You know what? You know what it is with that? It's the reaction to the reaction. <laughs> right. th- th- there were thrown rose petals at that movie for years, and then you take a step back and, well, it's not that good. But right. it's not horrible, right?
1: Right. right. I, I, I used to work with uh, Stephen Goldman, and he wrote... Uh, just about the pernicious sort of uh, racial politics of that movie where you're thinking mm. about let's go back to a, a, a pure age of baseball right. and boy did they all not look like James Earl Jones in that when yeah. they're on the field and, and that's yeah. you know that's something yeah. to consider.
0: Yeah yeah it was all pre-Color uh, Line being broken. I, you know it's still it's got some wonderful aspects to great it. Great lines. Yeah, yeah some great lines and, and so forth. I, w- I like Bad News Bears in there. Oh. Because it it was such a shocking movie at the time with kids swearing, I loved it just for that alone. And you had some really some young actors who ended up being great, like Tatum O'Neal, and well, great, but had good careers. And of course, you had Walter Matthau. So I put that in the top five too. I might put League of Their Own in the top five actually. I'm probably being not as nice as I should be, but uh, the the other baseball movie, and it goes back a long way is the Monty Stratton
1: story. Oh, see, I've
0: never seen that. Yeah, it was, it's quite a story because, you know, a guy was a great pitcher in the 30s, ends up getting an infection, has his leg amputated, comes back and plays anyway. Not in the majors, but he plays. It's a, it's a great story. I mean, the acting's okay, but it's just the story that is so good. So I, I would recommend that as, as far as an old school look. And, uh, you know, uh, Angels in the Field. anything else that jumps out at you?
1: Eight Men Out, Out. I love John Sayles, Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's a fine movie. Now, The Natural is a funny movie to discuss because I've read the book, and the book obviously is not uh, the happy ending with the lights exploding on the field. Uh, So the contrast of that, at the same time, that scene is so, you know, cinematically, it resonates still, a guy rounding the bases after the lights are exploding, that as a kid, that just blew me away. Uh, So I'm not sure where to put that because I I do think that the, you know, the novel was better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm not always that snob, but in this case I am. At the same time, The Natural had a lot of things going for it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that last scene is every baseball dream rolled into one. And there is partly based on a true story, I guess, is Eddie Wakis. Uh, now I'm, I'm, you know, I should have Marty here right now, because we can r- go back to the '40s. But he was, I guess, shot in a hotel room. So they they kind of melded stories together, and that gave it some mystique.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it was. Uh, you have the mystery. I don't think as a kid I understood a whole lot of it. The gravitas of, of just like you know, m- missing your chance and then coming back. And, right. Uh, so I, I a lot of that was over my head. But looking back on it, there there is the sort of. Uh, the the amalgam of of like the young and the the, the old player, I don't know, I, I love it.
0: Well, these days that would never happen, because they, they'd be drummed out of the game no matter what. Well, you can't be a prospect in 37. Well, that's, what about
1: that guy for the Rays, the yeah. the Disney movie, the right. Jim Morris? Yeah,
0: Jim Morris, who lasted, what, like a year and a half, right? Right, and yeah. that was probably <laughs> Disney-fueled, but yeah. who's begrudging him? Yeah, no, no, it's a wonderful story nonetheless, but to, to come back and be a star player, he'd be playing for the St. Paul Pioneers <laughs> nowadays, I think. I think League of Their Own... Uh, one of the things I love about it, and I hear this a lot from women who were young girls at the time, how it made them feel like, hey, I, I didn't know about this league. Girls play baseball. I want to play baseball. I coached a little league team with my son, and we had a girl at second base, and I didn't think anything of it, but you know, it's, a lot of people were like, oh, wow, they're really doing that? She could play. And I think that was a big deal for a lot of young women is like to see women out there in the ball field who were, had ability and had fans paying to see them play.
1: Absolutely, and it's to the point uh, where I've got to rewatch it because uh, I think my ten-year-old's going to be good with it. I think it, the five-year-old might uh, uh, might not understand quite what's going on, but I think it's about time because I, I agree that's going to yeah. be you know just this this coolest heck story uh, for for my daughters. Just uh, yeah, you, because they don't know. I mean, they, they they would always ask me like, can girls play baseball? And you know, I would tell them sure, and I would oh, yeah. you know, would,
0: uh, I'm, I'm surprised they don't have a bigger league like that. Maybe they'll, I don't I haven't heard of any efforts.
1: When I first moved here to Castro Valley, I saw a sign up that said, uh, baseball boys, girls, please sign up. And so I, I paid my money and I signed up. And we had literally just moved two months before. And I didn't realize that she would be the only girl on an all boys baseball team. Mm-hmm. And so then I said, Oh, there's a softball league, and I hate to be that guy. Yeah. But I think this is more about making connections at first. And uh, now she's entrenched in Trenton softball, and I'm her coach. And so it's okay. like, you know, so it's, yeah. I'm very much into the softball. Ask me for. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I could probably break down a softball pitcher's delivery better than Baumgartner's, because okay. I've, I've never been good at the mechanical stuff, but I've been forced to when it comes to teaching girls how to mm. pitch softball.
0: Okay, okay. So is it. Uh 10 to 12 feet? What is it?
1: It is uh, now. See, she's at 35 now, uh, and she is uh, she's 10.
0: So, so as far as the arc of the pitch, do they have any limit on that or anything? No,
1: no. Uh-oh. I mean, no, well, now now this is the last year was the first year that she pitched against. Uh, there's no coach pitch at all. Uh, it was that if the coach or if the girl walked a batter, most of them did walk the batter. The the coach would come in and underhand and lightly okay. toss. This year, no, no, no. You've got the kids who are getting private lessons. They're okay. throwing stuff that I can't hit. Oh. Uh, so it's, it's a big leap of, uh, big exponential leap in talent,
0: and it's impressive. Uh, got the video cameras out there. They're, they're angling for that D1 scholarship, right? They are. It's no joke. It's no joke. They're getting private lessons. Yeah, cool, cool. I mean, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, Grant, great chatting with you. We went from uh, puppies to movies and then got a little baseball in between, so thanks.
1: All right, absolutely. Thanks uh, so much for having me, and I got to say, it's weird talking to you in person. I guess... I guess you know. First of all, I don't have a cocktail in my hand because usually it would be like nine o'clock at night when I talk to you. Uh, Uh, Second of all, it's I I I don't know how I pictured you, but now it's whatever image I had is gone.
0: Okay, that may be good or bad. I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out later on. Thanks a lot, Grant. You got it. Thanks, Ray. Grant Brisby, SB Nation, joining us. This here podcast and all our guests brought to you via the Blue Wire Network which is growing week by week, city by city. And we've got several great podcasts for Bay Area sports fans, including the Kevin Jones podcast on the 49ers, the suddenly red-hot 49ers. Look at Nick Mullins go. And I don't care what people say about draft position. It means something to beat Seattle when you haven't done it for years and they've paddled you around. Kevin Jones will be talking about that this week on his podcast. And Sam and Andy with light years on the Warriors who are getting stronger and getting Boogie Cousins back. You can check them all out, including this podcast, at BlueWirePods.com. And thanks again to Grant Brisby for joining us and talking about everything from puppies to baseball to movies to softball. Hey, listen, those kids at youth level softball, they don't mess around. They throw hard. and Some of them probably will get scholarships. My niece played at that level, and she did get a scholarship to a school in the South. So I know what that's all about. My frame of reference playing, though, was 6- to 12-foot arc in the highly competitive municipal softball world of Bakersfield. We actually had a great team called the Lancers, and I I actually won the league one year with a walk-off hit against the Kern County Sheriff's Department. Needless to say, I kept a close eye on my speedometer for about a year after that. Baseball-wise, here's the big picture with the Giants. They were able to stay under the competitive balance tax threshold of $197 million in 2018, so they don't pay a tax as far as going after Machado or Harper or the big-ticket items, not realistic. It'd have to be a shorter-term deal for a star player. As Grant Brisby mentioned, somebody like Dallas Keuchel. They've got several long-term contracts with older and, in some cases, injured players. Samarja, Cueto, Longoria, Posey, Melanson, Belt, Crawford. They got $63 million committed to Cueto, Posey, and Samarja alone. And Cueto's coming off Tommy John surgery. Posey hip surgery and Samarja is coming off a shoulder injury. So they're limited, uh, you know, to the extent that they can shed some of these contracts, uh, that's how they'll be able to move forward in the next couple of years. Posey's injuries included a microfracture. They'll probably go easy on him behind the plate at first. So having a dependable backup catcher is, is a must. Aramis Garcia impressed in September, including at first base, still needs uh, work behind the plate. They signed Cameron Rupp to a minor league deal. He does have major league experience with the Phillies. And like many uh, backup catchers, he's got some pop, can handle a pitching staff, doesn't hit for a high average. But Bruce Bochy thinks that with Posey, you will see a different player than the guy who managed just five home runs in 105 games. And I think that's a reasonable expectation that the guy will hit for a little more power. His recovery is going well. And if you listen to Diamondback shortstop Nick Ahmed, Posey should regain some power. Ahmed, who had similar hip surgery, hit 16 home runs in 2018 after managing just 20 in his previous three-plus seasons. So Posey regaining some pop, at least some, is realistic. That will help, but it won't be enough, of course. Zaidi is looking for corner outfielders, plus starting pitching depth, which makes you think he'll keep Madison Bumgarner around, barring a big trade offer, of course, until at least the trade deadline. Maybe we'll see uh, Bumgarner in the outfield. Well, Bochy said he thought about that in September. Then he thought better of it, which was probably the better thought. Uh, Brandon Belt, though, is sitting there saying, hey, if you're going to put him in the outfield, I get to pitch. He's been lobbying for that for years. Unless Brandon Belt is traded, which is still a possibility. But the heavier lifting of the roster Uh, Had to wait until after the uh, winter meetings anyway. The Giants front office is is still forming, and that includes bringing in uh, former Blue Jays general manager J.B. Ricciardi as a special assistant, a job he held with the Mets. Zaidi and Ricciardi go back some 15 years when they worked with the A's, so even though Zaidi doesn't have a general manager per se, he's got enough hands on deck to to make deals. There's been some talk about A's assistant GM Billy Owens taking over as GM under Zaidi, but now Zaidi says he thinks Owens will stay put. And while the winter meetings did not result in immediate trades for the Giants, that's where stuff percolates. So we head into the holidays knowing a little bit more about the Giants in the critical offseason, but the big stuff probably doesn't hit until after New Year's Day. Now, if it happens before then, we will drop an extra podcast Christmas week. We'll be waiting and watching, much like my cat, when I ate cereal every morning because I made the critical mistake of feeding her milk from the bottom of the bowl one day. Now she expects it every day. So we'll see what happens over the holidays. Enjoy yourself and Happy New Year. Although Baseball New Year starts in February, we all know that. It's coming, coming up fast now, so stay tuned to Triples Alley Report.